Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode is one part of my hour-long NPR show heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, everything your dog wants you to know, as well as the Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the Foreman family-owned pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. I am back with Justin Goodman, who heads the White Coat Waste Project, and I'm actually really sorry that I have to talk to him again so soon because we talk about horrible travesties being visited in the case of this show on animals for medical research costing tens, even hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money, which is what Justin Goodman is alert to at all times. And I then read an article in The Guardian, the U.S. coverage by the British magazine, newspaper, The Guardian, and I beg you all to please subscribe to it and give them a few dollars every month because they do an incredible job worldwide. And they brought to my attention, which no U.S. publication did, about some horrendous University of Pennsylvania research being done on little baby piglets. Justin, thank you for joining me to talk about this. I'm very concerned about what's happening in university research. I sort of think... There's a whole chicken and egg situation, which is, yes, terrible experiments are being done. And you've talked about Anthony Fauci holding the purse strings to a lot of them. He may now be retiring, but there's always an evil empire, you know, dictator in the background of these things. But what about the places carrying out the research? Who are they? Why are they driven to take taxpayer money and use it to abuse animals, to do research, which is often specious at best. What's wrong with our world? I mean, I know this is a lot of questions at once, but it's disturbing. I think we, we have to hold our universities uh, accountable, whether it's veterinary research or human medical research. It, can't, it, could we not stop the flow of evil by going to the end user? Well, you know, this is... Uh... It's a disturbing situation, Tracy, and I, you know, this is what I focus on uh, in my day-to-day work is, you know, exposing the lack of transparency and accountability about how tax dollars are being spent in the laboratories. And as you and I have discussed before, the National Institutes of Health, the U.S. National Institutes of Health, is the leading funder of animal testing in the world. It has a budget of over $40 billion a year, 
and the NIH itself reports that 47%, so just about half of the agency's $40-plus billion budget is spent on experiment uh, projects involving animal experimentation. So It's amazing numbers. $40 billion, yeah, 20, half of so, that used so to do both, basically like, let's be creative. What could we cut out? What could we implant? What could we cause to happen? And, okay, now let's think of some way that we could say that that's useful. I'm sorry to be that cynical, but that's what it feels like to me. I mean, if if in if in uh, in the university, if if in the ivory tower, it's publish or perish for a literature teacher, publish a book, publish a paper, or you do not get tenure. What happens in medical schools, whether it's human or veterinary? Do they have to do experiments and prove them, often falsifying the records in order to stay relevant? keep their job, feel more important? I mean, is that part yes. of it? Yes, to all of the above. Uh, you know, their animal testing, taxpayer-funded animal testing in this country is driven by selfishness and greed above everything else. Thank talk, you. you know, there's, so that's, that's the bottom line here, is the government is shelling out over $20 billion a year, billion with a B for animal testing, and call it 90% of that money is going basically to colleges and universities across the country who are clamoring for a piece yes. of that pie yes. because it's big business for them. And it's not just that they're bringing in tax dollars for animal experiments and for the animal experiments themselves. The fact is that between a quarter and a third of every single grant that goes to a college and university for animal testing, between a quarter and a third of each of those grants comes right off the top and goes to the university for an administrative cost. Oh, no. Whatever those might be. Oh, so no. So this turns into a huge slush fund for the colleges and universities where you have universities like the University of California, San Francisco, or Johns Hopkins that are literally getting hundreds of millions of dollars a year from the National Institutes of Health, much of it which is being spent on animal testing. And the administrators, the people who run the university, are taking tens of millions, if not more, of that money just to go into to fund administrative fees, like update their buildings and pay staff and do other things that have nothing to do with research to improve human health. Wow. On top of all of this, there's no incentive to innovate. There's no incentive right. to solve these health problems because if you're an animal experimenter, and you're looking, you know, you're looking, you're studying a particular disease. If you cure that disease, the money dries up. The grants are done. So it actually behooves oh you God. if you're someone who does not care about animals, which these people obviously don't. If you don't care about animals and you care about your career and, as you say, publishing and perishing, then there's every incentive to keep the problem going, to not solve the problem, to keep tinkering to keep doing variations on the theme and never actually solving the problem because at that point the money will get cut off. So there's very, you know, there's wow. every reason for these people to keep the gravy train chugging along and not upset the apple cart here. And that's why you get colleges and universities across the country fighting tooth and nail against reforms to animal testing in this country because they're afraid the money might get shut off. It's disturbing, fascinating, dreadful, and each of us can do something about it. So here's my little soapbox. The University of Pennsylvania, 
of which I happen to be an alumnus. And the University of Pennsylvania Veterinary School, which is separate, and which several of my very dear close friends who've become such in my years in this industry are proud alumni. This person, this pharmacology professor at Penn, which, as The Guardian says, is part of the U.S.'s prestigious Ivy League, which makes me laugh because Americans, I guess, kind of know that. Not that it really matters a hoot. But this isn't the vet school, people. At the Penn's Perelman School, Perelman, I guess it's the, the rich Perelman man in New York City, School of Medicine, this one professor published five papers in which they tortured little piglets. They tortured their brains. And then these papers were published in the Journal of Neurotrauma. Fancy, right? Like JAVMA, like Journal of American you know, Medical Association. So Journal of, Journal of Neurotrauma, those are neurosurgeons. Those are brain surgeons. Those are like the highest level of human medical doctor. So they did these awful things to these little piglets. They show pictures of little piglets. Everyone obviously remembers Wilbur from Charlotte's Web. If you have to know that pigs have feelings, relationships, they're very smart. They have lots of emotions. A gruesome multi-million dollar tax-funded experiment in which he basically falsified the results. So these newborn pigs died, suffered and died. And this professor since retired. His name is William Armstead. But let's not be just totally mad at him. Let's also notice the School of Medicine sanctioned this, and the Journal of Neurotrauma sanctioned it. Afterwards, when this was called out by the Office of Research Integrity, a federal organization, they retracted the papers. But Justin, all of this was being done in plain sight. These little piggies were being poked and prodded and cut open and no pain relief and put to death in order to study some epinephrine. You know, it's like, oh, the mechanism and outcomes, a lot of fancy jargon that added up to a pile of nothing. This is all happening in plain sight. Do you think that as an alumnus of Penn that I should write, I do think I should, by the way, but I'm asking you this rhetorically, a letter to the alumni office? Hey, y'all, we're watching we're watching what you're doing, and so should my friends who went to the vet school, different part of Penn, but everyone should be doing it. In the 60s, you're probably too young to know this, Justin, there were many universities where the students had strikes because Dow Chemical that made Agent Orange that defoliated and burned alive Vietnamese people was in the, in the stock portfolio of the universities and making a, making a bunch of money. And the students protested, and they sold their Dow stock. So if students or their parents now paying for part or all of their uh, education, current students, past students, were to say something, and what would that look like, Justin? Would it make a difference, or are we just whistling in the wind? Well, I think, you know, I went to the University of Connecticut and exposed and ended some horrible monkey experiments when I was there. Cool. And, wow. You know, they, they, that's how I got my start in all of this, is I was a student, discovered a monkey lab on campus. There was one. 
uh, helped expose it, ran a campaign to shut it down, and that's how I got my start back in the early no 2000s kidding. in this line of work. And I promise you that I've never given them a penny, and when their alumni association calls me and asks me for money, I tell them no because they still experiment on animals, and that's not something I want to support. Uh, wow, so, you know, that's these, pretty cool. These, yeah, so these universities and colleges see dollar signs. You know, alumni are, you know, they see dollar signs over our heads. And I think it's good to make it clear to them that because they're doing experiments on animals, whether in general or some of the specific things that you and I have discussed or you're concerned with at UPenn, I think it's good for them to get that negative feedback because that's what all they care about is bringing in money. That's why they're doing the, allowing these experiments to take place under their banner in the first place is because it's bringing in millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars in the case of UPenn. In the so ca- and and, and in addition to the hundreds of millions they're getting from the United States government from taxpayers to do this stuff in the first place. Exactly. So I think anything that uh, illustrates to the university leadership that animal experimentation is a liability uh, is a good thing. Good. I, I absolutely believe that. So if you get mail from the alumni association or get a call asking you for money. I would absolutely tell them no and tell them why. You could even point to this article uh, that you saw in The Guardian about you know, Right, about for Penn, why. but every single university is guilty of this. Not one isn't. And the bigger the medical school and the bigger these departments and maybe even the richer the university, the more they want the glory, the money, the attention, the ego for the the researchers <clears throat> and doctors who are doing it. Now, this has not been reported in U.S. press. And little piggies are pretty good, uh, kind of like, a, you know, a good grab of your attention when you're reading, torturing little piggies. But the, but the U.S. papers haven't picked it up. Thank you, Guardian of England. A group called Stop Animal Exploitation Now, S-A-E-N, brought this to the attention of the Federal Office of Research Integrity. They were smart. They want to stop animal exploitation, but like with so many things, how do you do that effectively legally well you say the results are fabricated the results are false traumatic head injuries on dozens of newborn piglets and they falsified the results so they they got the office of 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 misconduct to pay attention not because these horrible experiments were being done how they were being done or even why they're being done but that they fudged the results now isn't that a curiosity that becomes the thing that is the, the touchstone. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the NIH does not care about animals. Uh, they don't care about, you know, they don't care about the cruelty and waste of animal experimentation. And, you know, uh, exhibit A is the fact that they're wasting $20, million, $20 billion a year on animal experiments. And at the same time, acknowledging left and right that these experiments rarely improve human health, rarely translate to people. And most of them are an abject failure that wastes billions of dollars, decades of time, and obviously animals' lives. Um, and, you know, the media does a really great job of running cover for the NIH yes. and these colleges yes. and universities. Yes. They, are, they just have this blind respect and trust in biomedical research as a entity, as a field, and refuse to be critical of it. And I love that. I mean, I hate right. it, but I love it. You say it so well. Yeah. You know, it's it's frustrating because we see this left and right, even with, you know, the pandemic and whether or not the pandemic started 
with a lab leak in Wuhan in a lab funded by taxpayer U.S. taxpayers. U.S. dollars, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the mainstream, you know, legacy media has refused to seriously entertain that idea because the NIH is involved and it reflects poorly on them, because Anthony Fauci is involved and it reflects poorly on him, never mind all the evidence pointing to the fact that this thing, like the pandemic, likely started with a leak in an animal experimentation lab funded by U.S. taxpayers in Wuhan. And, you know, when we it, it, to revisit this, this kind of theme of uh, transparency and accountability failures, you know, you mentioned this case at UPenn that Stop Animal Exploitation Now Exposed and good for them. They had, to, they had to connect the dots for the federal government between these retracted papers and the taxpayer-funded grants to force the government to actually do something. So the government isn't even really paying attention yep. to what's happening after they're handing this money out. Here you have people, you know, fudging data, making results up to get published, and then the government not doing something about it. We helped expose a few weeks ago that the head, so there's there's uh, a, ser- a set of national primate research centers in the United States that, they're, that are funded by the National Institutes of Health. And one of them is located in San Antonio, Texas. It's called the Southwest National Primate Research Center. And there's 2,500 monkeys <gasps> at this facility alone. Wow. The president, the head, of the recently hired head of this, laboratory was busted by the federal government for making up data in order to receive federal grants. So this guy made up data, falsified data, convinced the federal government to give him millions of dollars of grants to experiment on monkeys. He got busted falsifying data to receive these federal grants, defrauding taxpayers of millions of dollars and the, this laboratory in Texas is defending him and saying he's a great researcher. We're not doing anything about it. He's going to continue to keep his job. And the NIH, which busted him for falsifying data, is allowing him to keep his job, allowing him to be eligible for more grants, and allowing him to continue using taxpayer dollars to experiment on monkeys. Oh, Justin, it's horrible. We've run out of time, but, you know, we just all have to do whatever we can. Raise your voice to any university that you went to or are going to. Raise your voice. Stop animal experimentation now. There's no excuse for it least of all the cruel kind. We've run out of time, but thank you so much, Justin Goodman and the White Coat Waste Project for continuing to bring all these things to our attention. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks for listening. There are a few more very special companies that make this show possible, and I hope you will support their support of my mission to entertain and educate. Merrick Pet Care, which began as a family-run company in Texas 30 years ago, is still making natural pet food I feed my own dogs. They also provide nutrition to pet shelters in Chicago and Texas and free food for the service dogs for veterans from Canines for Warriors. Cradle, which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition and makes innovative foods like the hybrid dog food Wisdom 
which sometimes is all that Maisie Hotchner will eat. Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this shorter version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.